0: Where the topics are new and the traditions are 600 years old. Welcome back to the Chartreuse edition of Liquid Gold. Right here on WeOwnThisTown.net, the We Own This Town podcast network. My name is Mike Wolf. with you here today talking about a very special topic, Chartreuse. And the Carthusian monks who make this at the foot of the Grand Chartreuse Mountains in France. What we've got today is basically Jess and I talking Jess Backus, our cocktail correspondent, talking about green chartreuse and cocktails to make with that. We had a little trouble with Jess's audio, so on the Bijou recipe, you'll hear me drop in and give the recipe because we lost some audio here and there from Jess, but always a pleasure talking to her about anything related to cocktails and wine and so knowledgeable. And then later, um, I get into yellow chartreuse with Kenneth Dedman our co-host here on liquid gold and booze news anchor and kenneth also is one of the only people i've ever talked to maybe one of the only people in the country who have tried white chartreuse a really rare version of this alchemical elixir made by the carthusian monks going back you know right around 420 years but if the if the hypotheses are true that they were working on things like this for the 200 years leading up to when they got the uh, more official recipe, this is about a 600-year-old tradition. So just fascinating. Over 130 different ingredients. And another thing we give today is the day in the life of the Carthusian monks. We did this with the Benedictine monks of uh, Kansas. And I kind of enjoy looking at and thinking about what their day is like it's such a silent solitary existence so even if you find it a little boring just skip ahead a little bit you know it takes about a minute for me to get through um, the entire day but uh, plenty of cocktail recipes on the show today we've got some great yellow chartreuse cocktails we talk a little bit about the bijou we talk about the alaska the widow's kiss these are incredible cocktails and it's like a first thought best thought thing A lot of the first recipes that uh, you can find where people are using green chartreuse and yellow chartreuse in cocktails, they're all about 100 years old, 110 years old. A lot of the original ones are the best. We've also got the chartreuse cocktail that uh, Jess and I get into. So lots to come here on the show. And it's Monks of March. We're having a lot of fun with that, talking about all the elixirs and beverages and beers that monks make. As always, you can email us liquidgoldpod at gmail.com find us on instagram liquidgold underscore pod and you can find me mike wolf underscore garden to glass some book related info um been putting the the finishing touches and doing helping with the photography and uh for the hard copy of lost spring called bar recipes tips and stories from the pros to enjoy at home So we've got some great home bar advice in there and uh, all these great recipes from bartenders from Nashville and beyond. And Barantine will be coming out in July of this year. So we've been busy. And uh, another book, Kenneth and I had been working on for a long time, and we had so much amazing holiday content with the pandemic. We couldn't do some of the traveling that we wanted to do. So it's this incredible collection of all these different holiday recipes you can do. It's called Cheer, the Liquid Gold Holiday Drinking Guide. And we go from like whiskey drinking season through to some great cider cocktails, all the way through to Halloween and Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving wine pairings, holiday drinks, punches, uh, Christmas stuff, New Year's stuff, and then as well as some non-alcoholic and booze-free content for uh, dry January. So we kind of take you through drinking season in a way and this book cheer will be coming out at the end of October of this year so we've been busy that's why some of the 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 shows have been maybe a little bit shorter or less frequent we look forward to diving into absinthe in April we'll be talking to some uh, some really talented folks who know a lot about absinthe so lots to come as always and let's turn things over to the talk with uh, Jess Backus About green chartreuse. All right, we are here with our cocktail correspondent on Liquid Gold, Miss Jessica Backus. She runs the bar at the Delaney Oyster House in Charleston. And today we're talking about green chartreuse. Jess, how are you today?
1: Couldn't be better.
0: How are you? Doing well.
1: Always a pleasure and an honor to be here.
0: So great to have you along. Thank you. As always, you've got some great green chartreuse cocktails that you're going to talk about. Some of, the, some of the classics, the must-haves, and some of these green chartreuse drinks are just essential for a bartender or a home bartender to know. So we'll get into that a little bit later. And if anyone wants to check out more about green chartreuse and the Carthusian monks who make this stuff, check out the movie Into the Silence by Philip Groening. It's a documentary about the life of these monks and how they make this elixir known as chartreuse. And I believe you can still find it on Netflix or online. Really cool film and uh, especially good if you're looking for something to like relax to or to chill. I mean, this is a film about monks who don't say much. (laughs) And uh, it's a very meditative, really cool film. Um, But Jess, we're coming in on spring cocktail season. Why don't you tell me yeah, about this so, uh, gin drink that you're doing? Sure. Before we get I into mean, all yeah, things Chartreuse, herbs
1: are kind of the most fun. It's after you come out of winter and you're sort of sad that nothing is blooming, and then you see the blooms and you get excited, and so it's really nice and really fun to be able to match up an herbal liqueur like Chartreuse or Genepi. And use it into a cocktail that just makes you feel like you're hanging out in a meadow in the spring. So
0: yeah, I feel like genepi is like the more accessible. Yeah, it's sort of
1: a good it's style like a good of stepping chartreuse. stone. It's a good you introduction know, like... to those type of herbal liqueurs. Um, a very soft introduction, which
0: is good. It's like this bridge between vermouth, which has a lot of the same ingredients, to Chartreuse. Yes,
1: the Dolan Vermouth Company. Their genepi which is really nice, has a really mm. soft green. To it. And, um, and basically, it's, and then, you know, Roku gin, which is the Japanese gin uh, with all the really nice, soft, sort of Eastern botanicals. And then my new favorite discovery, which is a Greek liqueur called mastiha or mastique, which is um, kind of a fun, sort of soft and uh, sippable resinous uh, spirit. So it's it's uh, distilled in Greece and then infused with the mm. resin from these trees uh, that grow on the island of Chios in Greece. And so it's got this kind of fun, almost like uh, Northern California, like soft eucalyptus, but it's much softer when you sip it than when you smell it. It's really wild. Yeah. So the drink is called the Tears of Chios, and it's kind of um, wow, a nod to a, a gimlet and a last word. Um, with all these nice sort of uh, really cool like aromatic botanicals and herbal things but it's really really crushable. We just put those three things with a little bit of lime juice and uh, spritz the glass with absinthe and then we garnish it with you know we're getting some really cool sage from the garden of one of our servers and then we have some fennel that's on the menu in the kitchen so I take the fennel fronds and wish it with that if we don't have any sage so
0: it's fun. Well, that drink sounds amazing. Um, You can find that at the Delaney Oyster House, Jess, and all her lovely elixirs and cocktails and stuff that she's doing. And she'll also make you an amazing cocktail with green chartreuse. So we're going to talk about some of the classics associated with green chartreuse. But basically, what is this stuff? So this is, um, if you want to go back to the 16th century, where a lot of people trace the creation of this elixir to, this was a gift that was given to King Henry VI, to the marshal of his uh, artillery, Francois Hannibal D'Estres. I'm probably botching the last name, but it was an ancient manuscript for the mixture of an elixir, an elixir for a long life, developed by a 16th century alchemist. Very few monks at that time understood how crucial it was to use herbs in treating illnesses and using the magic inherent in certain plants, roots, barks, flowers. And they were starting to learn a lot more about these things if you infused them in alcohol to extract all the properties that were beneficial. And they were experimenting with so many different herbs and plants and roots that when it came time to to create this elixir, the guy ended up the person ended up using 130 different plants so essentially which i can only imagine is like (laughs) everything he could find some of the key ingredients that we can speculate on would be angelica is a big one that you taste in green chartreuse black pepper is is a big one is like a big flavor that you get off of it different mints uh flowers such as like dandelion is something that they're out um gathering and using and um, the recipe hasn't changed much over 600 years. Still, only two people alive at any given time know the recipe. It has been used as medicine pretty extensively in the area there um, outside of Waron, France, where these monks live and where they make this elixir. It's been used in that area for uh, medicinal purposes going on about three, 400 years now. And they have had to move operations and even had a period uh, going back to the French Revolution 1700s they they had to uh, cease production for almost 50 years and they are just set they they've moved into a brand new facility which is just gorgeous so I would love to visit someday now if you were going to make your own chartreuse let me let me go through so in Garden of Glass I gave a chartreuse recipe that was very similar to what we made at Husk when Colby Rassevon had a um, a chef that he worked with. He had a chartreuse hack, chartreuse recipe type thing that he ma- he would make, and it had eight ingredients, which just wasn't chartreuse enough, so we tried to put as much we could. We were using uh, Virginia pine needles, wildflowers like clover, violet, honeysuckle, wisteria, fresh mint leaves dried mint leaves, lemon verbena, lemon balm, dill, fresh and dried, and as well as some of the flowers, um, chamomile flowers, rosemary, lavender, thyme, some lemon zest that was dried, basil, tansy, the dried angelica root, dried dandelion root, pink peppercorns. We also use some saffron. Saffron's a big one that... um is one of the main ingredients in yellow chartreuse, which we're gonna talk about. Basically, if you steeped all these ingredients, along with some spices like cardamom, maybe some cinnamon, star anise, if you steeped this in a 100-proof vodka for a couple weeks, and then maybe added more ingredients after that, let it sit another couple weeks, and then added local honey to sweeten it up, you'd have something very similar. Yum. So that might be a fun project for anybody to work on from their garden and things that they forage. <laughs> yeah, that could be more ways off from could that. Make some, but that's okay. Uh, some green chartreuse from the the burgeoning bar garden that you're doing over there at Delaney, Jess. And you know, one thing that um that I mentioned in the book that I feel like bar programs and and anyone looking to make some some alchemical elixirs is you can kind of like get together a category of ingredients, like with your friends, like, you know, I'll grow these three or four things. You grow those four or five things. And that's essentially what the, what the monks do. They have their different living quarters around the area and they each have like little gardens right outside their front door. And so, and gardening and taking care of the soil and stuff is a big part of their daily practice and their daily activities. It's a lot of like how they get their exercise So I thought that that was cool that like some some people are responsible for growing some things while others are responsible for going out and finding and foraging for some of these things. But just like we did with the Benedictine monks, I'm going to go through a day, a day in the life of a Carthusian monk. They're at the Grand Chartreuse Monastery at 1130 p.m. They rise, they do a little prayer. It's a nocturnal prayer that they do in solitude. At uh, 12.15 a.m., there is um, a little service in the chapel, and uh, the service will change depending on if it's like a feast day or um, whatever's kind of going on in the the calendar there. Then they've got Lods of Our Lady that they do in their cell. They're praising God with the Virgin Mary. Then they go back to sleep. Then they get up at 6.30 a.m. They get ready for a prayer service that happens at 7 a.m. Then at 8, they have convention, con- conventional mass, which they do in the chapel. That's at 8 a.m. Sometimes after that, they'll do a Thanksgiving, which is just a meditative reading of the Bible. They can pray. So this is, this, we're only at uh, 9 a.m. And they've already done, they've done a lot of praying, a lot of contemplating. 10 a.m., approximately every two hours, there's a a prayer is recited. And then study or manual work will follow that. They do it. They do uh, usually two different kind of shifts of, of that in the morning and the afternoon. At noon, there's a there's another recitation. And then after there's meal. There's like lunchtime and then recreation. So they can eat a meal and then they might like walk around. They might do some gardening. They might sit out in the sun if the sun's out. Um, but they have like kind of some free time going on there. And then at two o'clock. There's uh, some more prayer, maybe in this afternoon time. That's probably where some of the uh, the monks are weighing ingredients for the chartreuse, or they're gathering, um, they're kind of sorting. They've got a lot of ingredients to keep track of there. Um, but th- that's you know that's a small percentage of the folks that live there that make this liqueur. Four o'clock is the vespers of Our Lady, and there's more praying. Four fifteen, they're in the church and they're uh, reading the Bible, there might be a spiritual uh, writer who will speak or give a reading, and then there's a light meal, and at 6.45, there's another recitation, and at 7.30 p.m. is bedtime, and it's advisable that they get to bed before 8 o'clock, because they're going to be getting up three hours later for more prayer. Wow, that's... (laughs) Is anyone there still? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Is anyone still <laughs> listening? <laughs> oh my god. That's amazing. I mean, what an existence.
1: Uh, amazing. It's, it's
0: hard to it's hard to imagine with our lives. I mean, I guess in the last year we've all had more contemplative times, but um okay, Jess. I know you love your green chartreuse. And we both love the Vep Chartreuse, we should mention, which is aged at least eight years, and probably the kind of the best representation of Chartreuse, and one of the tastiest things you can buy. But what do you think are some of the big? Um,
1: <laughs> if you can afford to right, buy it, if
0: you can, yeah, you might need to yeah. um, split it with some <laughs> friends. But what do you think uh, are some of the the best classic cocktails with green Chartreuse?
1: So I think one of the best classic cocktails in general. And it's a really beautiful introduction to people for chartreuse is the last word. Mm. And it's uh, for a couple of reasons. One is it's the type of cocktail that makes you want to drink cocktails where you'll have that. And it's and you may go into a bar normally and just order a glass of wine or a beer or something like that, you know, or, or a safety drink. But once you have one of those, it's going to make you want to go when you go out the next time to think about ordering a cocktail because it's just so great and it's so balanced. And the other thing is that it has four ingredients that are all very character driven and and very intense on their own. And they come together in this perfect balance and this beautiful harmony where none of them overpowers the other and they all sort of make each other better, which I think is the best sort of combination for anything you know for food for music for drinks for you know whatever.
0: yeah that that cocktail is great because chartreuse is the only thing in that cocktail that you would really want to drink on its own the rest of it you know you've got and I know you're going to give a recipe but you have gin you have lime juice you have the uh maraschino liqueur it's like you say it's like better than the sum of its you know parts basically totally but yeah what would a recipe yeah. be
1: I think that the best uh, recipe for the last word is just three-quarter ounce of all four of those ingredients. I think all of them should be put together in equal parts. So three-quarter ounce gin, three-quarter ounce green chartreuse, three-quarter ounce maraschino liqueur, and three-quarter ounce lime juice. It's such a clean, sexy cocktail on its own.
0: It is. It's perfection. So good. Really, really tasty.
1: And, And just really... Beautiful and accessible, even though it has a lot of ingredients that would normally either confuse or or put people off.
0: And I feel like uh, one of the big variations on that drink that we've seen over the last few years is the mezcal last word.
1: Yeah, and I, which... I and I super dig that. But I actually, when I make a, a mezcal version of it, I swap out the maraschino liqueur and put cookie americano in it. Mm. I really like the cookie Americano, the soft sort of like aromatic and slightly bitter thing to kind of like round out the smokiness of the mezcal. Um, But I Mm. also like to do it with the same equal measure, three quarter ounce of each.
0: So, That sounds great. Yeah, those are some big flavors. Um, Chartreuse is one of those things that you can use in a cocktail. You get a little bit of sweetness off of it, but it really just has a ton of flavor. So you have to be aware of that when you're mixing... Wish our truce that it's going to be assertive. <laughs> it's also great in in like Manhattan variations, which um which we could talk about, but you've got you've got what, the bijou. Is that the next yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing drink.
1: Which is it's a and it's a great one because if you have people who um want something spirit forward and want something stirred rather than shaken, you know, with no citrus and very little sugar, you know, it's kind of a, a really, really cool introduction. So you have people who come in and they're like, you know, I just, oh, I just discovered chartreuse, you know, and I, I bought some for my house and I don't really know what to do with it, but I love Manhattans and I love martinis. You know, it's kind of, um, this beautiful way to make a really, classy and really sophisticated stirred drink with very simple preparation and so uh yeah so it's one of my favorites because if people are you know martini people or you're able to you know talk to them about the martinez or the hanky panky and things like that or if or if they're in hat person there's enough texture and enough going on there that um, you kind of throw this like gin and chartreuse drink at them and they're like whoa <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: it'll wake you up. Let me just drop in on that recipe real quick. So the Bijou recipe that she had was one and a half ounce gin, three-quarter ounce green chartreuse, three-quarter ounce Carpano Antica sweet vermouth. Because you want something kind of big to match up with the big flavors of green chartreuse. That's what Jess mentioned. And then one dash orange bitters. So that's the recipe that uh, got a little bit jumbled up in the audio we had some technical stuff in there. So I wanted to make sure that that recipe for the Bijou made it in.
1: So you can strain it into a chilled coupe and drink it like that. But I've also done it um, just in the spirit of how the cocktail program works at Delaney and keeping everything nice and light and adding a little splash of Topo Chico to things. I've put it on uh, in a Collins glass. Um On the rocks with just a little splash of soda water and made it into kind of like a a Americano-y, like a real boozy version of an Americano. And uh, if you're real special and you come in and ask, I've also been uh, with our cocktail program making the big block cubes, you know, like we used to do at Husk. And I make some of them into Collins glass shaped. So rather than having a more diluting um, set of cold draft cubes in there, you just have one nice long pillar of super clear ice and you put your bijou on that and it's, uh, it's, you know, good for hot weather, a little more sippable and approachable as well. And then a little orange peel expressed into that as well.
0: Wow. That sounds great. The bijou is legendary. And I love any of those old classic drinks that like call for specifically Plymouth.
1: Oh, so good.
0: (laughs) And that's one of them. Um, I think that was the 1900 recipe. That's awesome. Um, I've got a few I've got a few cool random ones to throw your way. Um, there's this one called the uh, the biter. <laughs> the biter cocktail. Uh, I guess because it's got bite. but is this sounds similar to what you're making at Delaney for your springtime cocktail. Yeah. But the biter cocktail was a um, like a punch. Oh, and this was like roaring twenties. 1925. this this cocktail was super popular, so it was gin green chartreuse, lemon juice, simple syrup, and absinthe, which sounds a lot like a lot of the gin, green chartreuse variations that you'd see. But let's see, this one was, um, this cocktail's nuts because it had um, eight ounces of gin. <laughs> now, it did it did serve right. six, but it was basically mixed like a punch. Um, eight ounces gin, two ounces lemon juice, one ounce simple syrup, four ounces green chartreuse, one dash of absinthe. Oh yeah, better have the one <laughs> dash of absinthe. Like like you're gonna taste that uh, with eight o- with twelve ounces of uh, gin right, right. and green chartreuse. But basically, you mix this up like a punch and then serve it in six glasses. This was a uh, uh, from a book going back to 1925. Drinks long nice. and short. Um, so that's kind of cool. And then the so the first. Way that I kind of learned how to use green chartreuse in a cocktail was in any kind of Manhattan variation. Now, at the time, I always heard it called okay. a green hornet, but I don't, I feel like green hornet became something else. But anyway, you can basically, if you're a whiskey person, you could basically take your Manhattan recipe and then have your sweet vermouth and then add that half ounce of green chartreuse. That'd be one easy way to do it. But I found this other cocktail that was very similar. The name was really cool, yeah, because this is the chartreuse cocktail is what it it was uh, known at the time. And this was a 1937 drink that was bourbon or rye, probably rye, green chartreuse, and dry vermouth. You could basically do two ounces of rye, quarter ounce to a half ounce green chartreuse, and then quarter ounce to a half ounce of uh, dry vermouth. This was in a book called The How and When that was originally published in New Orleans. So maybe that cocktail... Mm. I haven't found out enough info on yeah. that cocktail to like trace it back to New Orleans, but I think that's an that's an old school New Orleans drink.
1: Yeah. You know, the New Orleans thing, obviously with like the French influence and the vermouth, and then think about maybe uh doing like a, a cognac, like a Vucre kind of play with that as well. So like split the rye with a little bit of cognac, you know, and do a little chartreuse and vermouth in oh, yeah. there would be pretty rad.
0: You know, Jess, a lot of people collect Vintage bottles of chartreuse. Chartreuse is one of those things that ages really well over the years. Like 100-year-old bottles are sought after. Bottles that are older than that. There's a lot of basically like imitation chartreuse and fake chartreuses out there. And some some of which people actually really like a lot of the, uh, the 100-year-old like fake chartreuses. But I did find this thing that's a way to kind of crack the code to collecting vintage chartreuse. And you basically look at the timeline. There's an importer timeline, and this was something The Tales of the Cocktail covered one year. You can basically go to Tales of and you'll find this importer timeline. And this is how people are figuring out where these bottles are from, because a lot of these bottles that are, you know, yeah, between 100 and 150 years old, are really sought out. There's the bar in Chicago, awesome. Billy Sunday, where you could where you could go taste. Uh, some of these old yeah, chartreuse. I love that place. Which are incredible. So good. So I wanted to point that out. Um, they've got the importer timeline there. That'll help you in your search for old green chartreuse and as garage sales, yard sales, estate sales come back up in the late spring and summer this year, that might be something to look out for. That's apparently where people find a lot of these are at old yard That's sales wild. and stuff. So
1: what a great application for foraging.
0: It is. And I, I really commend them for, because like if someone tells you as a group, like you can't make this anymore, you're going to have to move. And 50 years go by, or there were times I think, you know, a couple years went by. But I think it's amazing that they were always like, no, we have to get back to making this. Yeah. It's just something they feel compelled to do. It's like this, it's part of their oath. And then in keeping the recipe and... This isn't like a operation that's been doing it 50 60 years. I mean, they've been doing yeah. this off and on for 600 years. So it's pretty pretty incredible stuff. Um, and if you want to find out more about like what the area is like and if you want to sort of quasi virtually travel there, there's some interesting videos on YouTube of like people hiking in those mountains which Will give you a little bit of an idea of what it's like. That's that's what I did when I really when I was writing the book and I had to dive into Chartreuse a little bit. I was just watching these videos of people hiking through, and you do get a sense of the area and how beautiful the monastery is and everything. So um, check those out if you want a virtual tour through the the hiking trails and stuff above the awesome. uh, monastery. It's pretty cool. Cool. All right, Jess. Well, we will uh, we will talk to you soon. We've got Yellow Chartreuse coming up find Jess at the Delaney Oyster House in Charleston, and um, we're trying to plan our summer pop-up there. Our 80s (laughs) fruit martini bar. Eat your garnish. (laughs) (laughs) We love you. We miss you.
1: I love you too, buddy. I miss you.
0: All right, let's get Mr. Kenneth Dedman on the line for a talk on yellow chartreuse, and the story of one of the only Americans alive who has tasted white chartreuse. His name, Kenneth Dedman. It's Monks of March... Our promotional juggernaut, uh, talking about all things men in robes, being silent, and thinking about God, but also making booze, making delicious beer that we're going to talk about here in about a week or two with uh, Buddy Butram. That'll be fun, huh, Kenneth?
2: your makeup. Yes, it will be fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you just speak backwards, or what was that? you my ear.
2: I was just trying to get in that window. I didn't know if you were breathing or...
0: We got Kenneth Dedman back on the show. What's up? Affectionately known as the Dead Monk. This is all about chartreuse. It's the chartreuse episode. It's such a huge topic. It's kind of hard for us to wrap our our minds and hands around it. You heard uh, Jess and I talking green chartreuse. Kenneth and I are going to tackle yellow chartreuse, which is probably our favorite of the two, but also if you count the VEP editions of chartreuse, these are the barrel-aged. Barrel-aged anywhere from six to 14 years, typically about eight years, but it's all a mystery with chartreuse. And it's hard to even, as Jess and I talked about, hard to come up with the 130 herbs, roots, flowers, botanicals that could go in a batch of chartreuse. But Kenneth, we love yellow chartreuse because it's kind of slider, it's sweet, it's so great with cocktails. We've got a couple recipes we're going to get into, but I know you, you reach for the yellow chartreuse quite a bit you love mixing it with benedictine but what do you love about yellow chartreuse
2: uh just how it rounds out like something sour you can take something incredibly sour and especially like uh like lemon juice sour or any anything like anything high in acid but um specifically because of like honey and lemons go well together perfectly together oh yeah i, I like just putting a spoon of it a splash of it in anything with lemons Anything, mm. but had, shit, man! Like a whisk Ooh. like any any sort of whiskey sour, any kind of sour that involves, involve, like, I'll, I'll put it in, a, in 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 some freaking dumb ladies, like lemon drop martini which she's not looking. I don't, I don't give a fuck.
0: <laughs> so a whiskey sour with yellow chartreuse—that yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Can you give Can you give us a recipe for that? Because I know you've made. Yeah, that's that's sort of a signature drinking. ounce yours. and a
2: half bottled in bond, uh, uh, bourbon or rye, probably rye be way better three quarter ounce uh lemon juice about a half ounce simple syrup light half ounce simple syrup maybe even less than that because you know the chartreuse is pretty sweet so follow that with about a quarter ounce of, of yellow chartreuse egg white if you want whole egg if you want don't mm. have, you don't have to shake it pour it over ice or a glass splash champagne or nice
0: coffee. lovely that sounds great And then you've also, I know that you have had success mixing it with something that yellow chartreuse really reminds me of. And it makes a ton of sense that the two would go together well, even though you might think to reach for one or the other, but yellow chartreuse reminds me so much of Benedictine and we did our Benedictine rest uh, episode. So go back and check that out. But you've made like stirred drinks. Haven't you using like yellow chartreuse and Benedictine? Yeah. Uh Have you made much of those or do you usually add a little citrus to it?
2: them with citrus but they don't have to uh what's cool about mixing the two of them is it's like benedictine has got that the the heavy honey presence and um and the herbaceousness while it's there it's kind of is um it takes second seat but then it's completely opposite with um yellow chartreuse yellow chartreuse has herbaceousness up front with that's like kind of like co-piloted by by the honey so when you mix them together, it's just like a blast of both. So yeah, like uh put them both in like uh, green tea. Black tea is really cool if you if you want to like uh, if you're wanting oh, wow. like a mid afternoon pick me up. That'd be like perfect, just like a like a lemon wedge.
0: That way, little like, uh, green like tea,
2: a, like a hot drink. Um, You know, like it's not gonna get out of control on you. Really, it's like actually a really great like post lunch thing to do is just have like yellow chartreuse benedictine in a hot tea slowly sipping
0: it. oh that sounds lovely like a green tea yellow chartreuse makes a ton of sense oh yeah that'd be great oh my gosh that'd be a that'd be a good way to make a cocktail um taking some of the you know you can use the green tea powder or you could whisk up a a really quick uh green tea yeah matcha matcha'd be great i love all that worth mentioning yeah one of our favorite writers kenneth mr hunter s thompson when he was struggling to find the right ideas or to, to have that Eureka moment for something to write, just looking to get inspired, Hunter S. Thompson would sit in a hot tub sipping chartreuse. Another noteworthy chartreuse drinker, Russian czar Nicholas II. He always insisted on having it at the dinner table. A bottle of chartreuse. <laughs> That's gangster. Was that
2: the last one? Wasn't Nicholas the last one?
0: I believe so. Yeah, March 15th. 1917 he had he abdicated the throne he and his family were then taken to the ural mountains and placed under house arrest fall of 1917 the russian government was overthrown by the bolsheviks yeah yeah no oh, word bullshit. no word on what happened to the tradition of chartreuse at the dinner table it was probably that was probably just the czar days
2: i think it by that point rasputin drinking all the chartreuse in, in um in st petersburg Really interesting though, you know, like Saint Petersburg. Uh, it's it was like the 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 architecture that, uh, of Saint Petersburg is all uh, French, it's all uh, French ar- French architects designed the whole city is mm-hmm. designed and looks um, a lot like uh, Paris, except it's cold,
0: it's falls. Yeah, I would not really want to be there right now. I love some of your uh, whiskey sour and uh, different, different riffs and things you can do with yellow chartreuse. One of my favorite that I could talk about for a second is the Alaska, which is basically like a dry martini where you sub yellow chartreuse for dry vermouth. You can also, I really like to use both in the drink because you know, I love, I love my dry vermouth, but basically you could do one and a half ounce of like a Plymouth gin the original Alaska, going back, uh, first appeared in cocktail books like 1914 or so, and the original version was made with Old Tom Gin and like a quarter ounce of of uh, yellow chartreuse and a dash of orange bitters. But I like the um, I like doing about one and a half ounce of Plymouth and a half ounce of dry vermouth and a half ounce of yellow chartreuse, dash of orange bitters, lemon twist. It's an amazing drink. Um, I think if you're using an Old Tom or Plymouth style, the yellow chartreuse, and if you have like a mild dry vermouth, nothing too heavy, the yellow chartreuse really cuts through, and it it tastes exactly like what it is, a chartreuse martini. Um, so that's one that uh, I would highly recommend, and then it's a cocktail we've talked about on the show before, um, on our Calvados episode. You can go back, we did a Calvados shots. Mm with none other than Patrick Halloran of uh, Patterson House alum and um, also running the beverages now at Henrietta Red. But the Widow's Kiss is a great one because you could do like an ounce to an ounce and a half of apple brandy or Calvados and then say half ounce of Benedictine, half ounce yellow chartreuse. You could even up those to a three-quarter ounce and a dash of Angostura. And that is one of my favorite old school classics, bare bones, three ingredient drinks. So those are two of my favorite yellow chartreuse drinks. Now, maybe we should have started with this, but let's just talk about how yellow chartreuse is different than green chartreuse. Basically, green chartreuse has that higher proof. What is it, about 110? Yellow chartreuse clocks in at 80. So the yellow chartreuse is just smoother, sweeter. It's got that honey forward flavor profile. You get dandelion. You get saffron in a big way
2: tarragon i need.
0: tarragon mm. yeah it's more kind of exotic i think than the herbal punch of green chartreuse
2: well it's just uh, um, that's the th- i mean it's just like with uh you know like um, which when we eventually cover like the absinthe you know like when you have when you're adding water all of those botanicals that are hidden by the alcohol content come out so it's only natural that yellow chartreuse with a lower abv has like A a, a much gnarlier, like bouquet.
0: Yeah, and uh, yellow chartreuse is like the new, the newest of the bat, of the the newest chartreuse, being that um, they didn't start making yellow chartreuse until 1838 is the first time it came out, so that's their new one. (laughs) We've got a little, uh, a fun little story about Kenneth drinking white chartreuse. Maybe our listeners don't know, but there was a white chartreuse that they made Carthusian monks made going back to, they only made this for about 40 years. I think it was 1860 to right around 1900. They made a white chartreuse and you might think you don't know anyone who has tried it because if you do find it at some exotic bar in some far flung location, it's going to be like $100 a shot, $500 a shot, maybe $1,000 a shot. So you might think, I don't know anyone who's tried that. Well, we do. We know someone, and he's part of the show. His name is Kenneth Dedman. Holy shit. And he's got a white chartreuse story coming up after we talk a little bit more about this yellow chartreuse because the... the yeah, yeah, that was good. Keep going. <laughs> the, <laughs> I'm like old school radio, and you have no idea where you're going, but you just keep going. What makes it yellow? we have cracked the code or at least we think we have over the years you get so much dandelion in the flavor profile when you when you drink the vep version which we highly encourage anyone who loves chartreuse who maybe hasn't gone out on a limb to try you know the more expensive barrel-aged versions the VEP. but they're so delicious on their own you don't really need to add anything to these beautiful elixirs and they give you a clue as to some of the ingredients that are in chartreuse that you don't taste in the regular versions. So I think it's worth maybe splitting with some friends or all going in on a bottle or something. But the yellow chartreuse VEP, you get so much dandelion, and I do think that that is, if they're coloring it synthetically now, which is possible, um, probable. But uh, I think back when they were using natural, more natural ways of coloring things, I'm sure it was dandelion. That uh, was coloring the yellow chartreuse. You know,
2: I don't think that they. I don't think they color it, man. I think that they have like. I think they have it the. They they have the recipe so, dialed in, man, dialed in that, and and they've been so consistent, so consistent about it for, for centuries now. It's all it's all natural. It doesn't it doesn't feel.
0: I just don't know. I don't see how you get that green color being totally natural. But um, no,
2: dude, it's not Mountain Dew. <laughs>
0: That'd be a good cocktail, green chartreuse and mountain. Yeah, beer.
2: that'd be great, actually.
0: That's pretty good. A favorite uh, way to enjoy this in Europe, in some corners of Europe, um, is just chartreuse and tonic, which is kind of interesting. More intense, sort of G&T style.
2: I think anything with like, yeah, like quinine would be would be pretty ideal. Maybe like yellow chartreuse and bonal or genepi.
0: Ooh, yes, genepi.
2: I guess we just, I just wanted to throw that out there because... uh all the chartreuse talk. There are like a lot of really other really great other products that are using a lot of the same.
0: A lot of the genopies you can get are uh, are potentially between like twenty and thirty ingredients, and I'm sure all those ingredients are also in chartreuse. Every single one of them. But you bring up an interesting point, genepi being like a white chartreuse. Oh, segue. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but you've actually, you've actually tried white chartreuse you're one of the only people in america and we're not we're not fucking around here this is a true story true. kenneth where were you traveling when you had white chartreuse and um what can you tell us about what you remember about it and uh let's hear about your white chartreuse story it's so fascinating
2: all right so started in um paris france the only time that i've been to paris france and that was only for about two hours. I would met up with my friend, Luke, who uh, is from Bologna, Italy. Luke Riccato, who, is, who doesn't listen to the podcast. He just sends me kind of just insulting emails nowadays. But uh, he was <laughs> talking about going to the Mediterranean. And I'm like, I don't really feel like going to the beach. I want to skateboard in the city and stuff. And so Luke tells me that they have nude beaches down uh, near uh, Marseille uh, right there on, uh, on the Mediterranean coast and I was like that sounds good they've got a skate park there and I, I think it's awesome to go to a nude beach and totally like uh, be a pervert actually I guess man anyway uh, what are we talking
0: about? you're like I just want to skate and look at naked people
2: well like yeah well, the thing is like when we got to, mm-hmm. to Marseille uh, um, everywhere to stay was expensive and everyone that was naked on the beach was like 70 years old, but we, we got a good like skate session and it was like a three, it was like a three hour train ride and it only cost like 10 bucks. So it was dope. And, uh, it was cool to have a skate park to skate with the p- like potential of, of seeing some beautiful people at the nude beach. I guess that's what I, that's what I meant. Anyway, we couldn't find a place to stay. Um, and Luke started talking about this t- town called, uh, are which is like 45 minutes away from Marseille. It's a smaller city. It's kind of like uh, 30 40,000 people kind of in the countryside right off right off the river. And we it was great because we found a uh, we found like a uh, I forget what they call it like the like bodegas that you ran for like Airbnbs at the time. It, they're called like meats or Neets or something like that. And everyone's got like guest houses. Anyway, mm-hmm. It was cheap as fuck. So we saved some money and we got drunk. We, we ate like uh, a shitload of uh, like fresh fish and uh, me and Luke, after days of skating, drank like like two bottles of wine and then went out. Mm. Found the first pub that we could, but it was like, it wasn't like a uh, alley street entry into a pub that opened up into a nightclub and we didn't even know about the nightclub part until like we, we had like a couple more glasses of wine.
0: Um, a little secret nightclub in the back?
2: It, you got to remember, like, we've been skating, like, in the sun all day. And it's hot. It's hot right on the beach. Anywhere. Anywhere on the beach.
0: How did you come face to face with a bottle of white chartreuse?
2: So, Luke and I proceeded into the larger, like, nightclub area. Very, like, modern lasers and shit. It is huge clock behind this huge bar. And uh, we walked right into, uh, see, see, this was post 9-11, Mike share of um anti-islam arabic uh, racism all over you mm-hmm. know, like western europe in the united states mm-hmm. and, uh, we happened upon some of that um toward d- directed towards a uh, saudi arabian gentleman we defended him with our words and i don't even know if anyone um, like i don't speak french bro i don't know if anyone spoke english but we i was like bigger than everybody anyway it turns out this saudi guy with some sort of oil prints or whatever. He could have been that guy that killed that journalist. I don't know. But we ended up kicking it with him. He knew Italian. And Luke translated for me for the, like, the whole time. So in France, we run into a Saudi Arabian with an Italian. And the only way they communicate is in, Ta- in Italian. Wow. And this is like really... Such
0: international intrigue.
2: Yeah. Yeah, dude. There was a time I thought I, was a- I could have been like an agent.
0: We don't know that you weren't.
2: Thanks a lot. It's a compliment. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, like him and Luke start talking about chartreuse, which I don't, I know that I've tasted it before. It's been around it before, but uh, I didn't respect it. And Like Luke was actually the first person that got me on anything of uh, anything in that realm. I remember we drank a lot of uh, Sambuca. He got me on the Sambuca Blanc like years Mm -hmm. before that when I was like, 18, 19 years old. So the Saudi prince uh, got us all, th- uh, got us all three ounces of white chartreuse, whipped out a shitload of cash, paid for it. We drank it. We went back to the pub and drank a bottle of wine. Then we went to another club. Then we went. Then we went to a strip club. Uh,
0: well, so the um. The white chartreuse was it on a menu or something?
2: Uh yeah, yeah, it was on the menu. Were you looking at like a premium, premium spirits under. menu or something? There were like a few bottles of it and they were there was like a spotlight on it behind the bar. It was featured.
0: Oh yeah, so it was yeah. like what is that shit over there?
2: Like all of Marseille, like I mean they're they're a good distance away from uh the French Alps or like of the Chartreuse mountains, but they're in this kind of the same province. They're just on the other side. So like all of this shit is is still available in that region. If the price is right,
0: that's that's amazing. So you think that? So they were already talking about Chartreuse. Were they talking about your friend and uh, this Saudi oil in prince? Italian, yeah. They're talking about Chartreuse. Are they talking about it because you're at a bar that has this really special yeah. rare bottle? So like, and he, if, and you, if you're a Saudi prince, you're like, I want what's expensive.
2: He sure carried himself like it's like what I would imagine a Saudi prince would carry. How they would carry themselves especially.
0: Was he dressed yeah. in, like, robes like, uh,
2: Yeah, kind of, but not really. I mean, he had, yeah. He had, like, um, God, I don't even know what to, is it robes? He's gonna get us killed, because I don't think it's called robes, but, but you know who who wears robes are those
0: It's like a headdress type of thing.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Know, not like...
0: Hey, we love it. Whatever he's wearing, we loved it. <laughs> That's right. So, do you remember what the white chartreuse tasted like?
2: Yeah, like, um like a sugary pine cone. Wow. I like don't a,
0: know like like a pine cone dipped that. in like an herbal sugar batter? It's,
2: dude, like all I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know like yeah, like a, like boiled christmas tree in sugar water or something.
0: Mm. Sounds awesome. Was, you know, it does sound like Jennifer you, I was,
2: like, at least two bottles of wine down and I was already like putting my dukes up <laughs> in this nightclub in a country like I didn't I didn't know I didn't know shit for French bro. And I still don't Yeah, like super disrespectful to be traveling around like that. But
0: oh, you're an American. I was,
2: yeah. Like, <laughs> it's the mid 2000s. Like, <laughs> when I look back at international travel and like, you know, like how much I, I hate my fellow Americans the right way. I, I see a lot of like, I look back at like the way I, I conducted myself in some situations and I was totally that guy. The only, the only difference was like, I could turn on my country accent and just act like a freaking black, like an idiot. And people would be like, you know, Oh, he's just a Southerner. And that got me out of a lot of situations. Or They felt
0: situations. sorry for you. Yeah. Like yeah. they felt sorry. Well, for it's you.
2: easy. Mm-hmm. Like the easiest thing to do, I think in Europe is to play a dumb American because everyone's going to think you're a dumb American to begin with. And a lot of situations they're right. So it's just that sometimes, sometimes in, um, in a foreign land, in a different environment, in an uncomfortable environment. It's just best to play dumb or play the character that people already see you as.
0: Well, I love the white chartreuse story. Um, thanks so much for sharing. Mm. I think, um, if I'm gonna speculate on it, I think it's like the chartreuse monks um, trying to make like a genopi, um, would be my guess. They were trying to like, you know, make something maybe that was a little more streamlined.
2: I wonder if um, I wonder if it was like a different season or something too, like it, like early season herbs or some shit like that.
0: Yeah, well, lots more to uncover. Um, we'll be back talking some beer, some uh, monk-related beer on Monks of March. It's been a lot of fun um, getting through some of these elixirs and talking about the uh, talking about the amazing traditions that some of these monks producing these beautiful elixirs that we love to use in cocktails and things. Um, Kenneth, good to talk to you, my man. Hey, yeah,
2: Mike. Good talking to you man i could i can hear your kids oh you hear what he's doing now i hear someone singing
0: he's doing welcome to the jungle
2: man he's still doing that
0: yeah he loves it
2: right. i love you love you too enjoy the rest of that bottle
0: all right that was a ton of fun talking all things chartreuse on monks of march here on liquid gold As always, plenty more content to come. Thanks to Upright T-Rex Music for the tunes. Jess Matchin for the logo. Shout out to producer Michael Eads over at We Own This Town and all the great podcasts that are going on. The music show at We Own This Town, always a favorite for us. As always, thanks for listening. And we will see you next time right here on Liquid Gold.